Amen. It's great to be here. 20 past 12. I'm just about to start. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, we're going to be starting, uh, we're continuing this morning a series that Pastor George has been going on for the past few weeks about the whole concept of liberty and freedom. And I've got the privilege this morning of doing one of my favourite passages in the New Testament. Uh, if you've missed any of the sermons over the past six, seven weeks, they're all available on the website and all podcasts. You can just download them from the website or you can listen to them online. If you want to just revisit some of them, that'd be great. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Very well-known passage of Scripture, but just awesome in the sense in which it carries the heart of God for us as people today. So Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 4. I'm going to talk about freedom today from the law of sin and death. Freedom from the law of sin and death. Are you still with me? Three of you are, that's great. Romans chapter 8 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in the, in the, it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. Today, God wants to set you and me free from the law of sin and death. God wants to set us free from condemnation. The Bible says that there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you feel condemned today? Do you feel put down? Do you feel bullied? Do you feel overwhelmed by circumstances? Today there's freedom in the name of Jesus from condemnation, from every lie of the devil. God wants to set you free today. That you can live in the victory and the joy of working with Jesus. It was a man who had a, a donkey. It was a lovely, don- lovely donkey. And, and I like donkeys, they're very great. Especially on the seaside when you walk them down with the ice cream. And this donkey, this fella, fell down a well. <laughs> Bit of sympathy there, fantastic. And the well was so deep, the man had no rope to get the donkey out. So the man thought the donkey's dead. He couldn't see the donkey because the donkey was so far out, so he thought the best thing to do is give it a good burial. So the donkey in the bottom of the well, the man got a spade and started to shovel some soil down the well. And bit by bit he kept on pouring more and more soil and dirt down to the well. They looked down the well and there was the donkey. And every time the soil landed on its head, it just shook it off and stood on it. Next slide, please. Sometimes, when people say things against us, we have to shake it off and stand on it. We have to step up, shake off the dirt, shake off the condemnation, and live in the victory that Christ has got for us. It says, the Bible says, that the Spirit of the Lord has set us free. One dictionary definition of freedom is this. Freedom 
Liberty is freedom from control, interference, obligation, restriction, or hampering conditions. God wants to set us free. Free from condemnation, free from guilt, and be the men and women that God has caused to be. The thing is, the devil wants to remind you of your past. Someone said, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. I've got a past, but I've got a future as well. And that past will not determine our future if we put our lives in Christ. That today we be free from all that's past. But the thing is, the next slide, there's a great tragedy. As Christians, so often we allow ourselves to be enslaved by the things that God has set us free from. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this. It was for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. Do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So often we start out free in Christ. But sometimes we allow the world, temptation, the law, religion to slowly enfold us with its lies until we become enslaved again. Paul writes to the Galatians these great words. You foolish Galatians. What a cute little word, thank you. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ was portrayed as crucified. And now I'd like to learn just one thing from you, says Paul. Just one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? The thing is, religion is attractive. Religion is comfortable. We know what religion is about. God wants us to be free from religion to fly into a relationship with Him. We're not called to be bound. You see, religion domesticates its adherence. Religion will mould you and form you into a set mould but grace wants to liberate you and me. We're not called to live in a confined, restricted zone. We're called to be free, to fly. See, religion looks like the real deal. It has an appearance of being right, but it lacks power. See, religion is strong enough to make you feel secure, but not strong enough to set you free. It's not strong enough to set you and me free. And if we settle for religion, we find ourselves bound. See, we come from religion. We know where we stand with the rights and the wrongs, the do's and the don'ts. This religion forms a secure barrier around us. We know where we stand with it. And we default so often that old pattern of life. It's amazing that even when God pulled Israel out of Egypt, they wanted to return back to Egypt. Hebrews says, if they were thinking about the land they came from, they would have wanted to return. And each one of us has the default position where we want to just go back to the law. It's a tragedy. God wants to set you and me free. Next slide, please. So often we can live under a cloud of doubt. Question our salvation because we feel condemned by the law, we feel condemned by the enemy, we feel condemned by our friends. 
There's a great hymn that was sang many years ago called Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Who knows that song? Augustus Top Lady. What a great name. But the last verse is, Be of sin a double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Do you feel overwhelmed by guilt? Do you feel overwhelmed by shame? Do you feel overwhelmed by condemnation? The power of the blood of Jesus can free you today from any lie of the devil. Don't have to believe the lies anymore. You can be free. Free to be who you're meant to be. See, there's two things that happen in our hearts. The devil speaks condemnation, but God speaks conviction. The difference between conviction from God and condemnation from the devil is that conviction leads to repentance, but condemnation leads to remorse. In other words, it just turns you inward. Guilt turns a man inward, but grace and conviction turns him outward. I remember as a young Christian, starting out on my journey of faith, I used to get these video replays in my mind. Who's ever had that? Suddenly in your mind, you get these flashbacks of that time you said something bad. That time you did something awful. That time you made a mistake. And suddenly, out of nowhere, these images of past sins, past mistakes, are replayed over my mind. The devil wants to remind you of every single failure you've ever made. He wants to remind you of the, how filthy, how rotten, how dirty you and me are. But the thing is, we are not rotten and dirty anymore because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus. But his blood covers us, it cleanses us, it heals us, it restores us. See, a friend of mine was doing a renovation of the house. There was a huge, huge old chimney in the house. And he thought it would be a great idea to hoover out the chimney. Great on paper. So you got the hoover out, the hoovering out is great. But eventually the bag got so full that it exploded. There was soot everywhere. It took a month <laughs> to clean the house. And sometimes if we do not deal with guilt, if we do not deal with sin, do not deal with condemnation in our hearts, it can ruin our whole lives. It can spill out and touch every area of our hearts. But God wants us to be free from that condemnation and that guilt. You see, God doesn't want us just to have a form of religion. He wants us to break free from the guilt, from the shame. He wants us to be children of a free heart. Children of a free heart. Is your heart free this morning? Are you bound by the opinions of men, by the past? The thing is, God recognises the tragedy that's in our hearts and has offered a solution. Next slide, please. There was a great truth, there was a great tragedy, but now there's a great transaction. If you want to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, this is just excellent stuff. Paul writes to the church at Colossae and says in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 2, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all your sins and having cancelled the certificate of debt, 
with its legal demands against us, which is hostile to us, he has taken it away, nailed it to the cross. God has made us alive in Christ. He has washed the past away. It says there, having cancelled the debt that we owed. Next slide, please. There was a great Christian writer in the 11th century. He was English. His name was St. Anselm. And he wrote a book called, in Latin, Cur Deus Homo, which means, why did God become man? And in that book, he wrote this famous phrase, that Christ paid a debt he did not owe, because I owed a debt that I could not pay. See, each one of us are bankrupt before God. We've got nothing to offer God that will merit his favour or his love. But God chose to set his affection upon you and me. He chose to lavish us with his love. And Christ paid the debt they did not owe because I owed a debt that I could not pay. See, Christ specialises in wiping the slave clean. He delights to take all the rubbish and dirt and filth that's in our lives and wash and cleanse us. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That's a great transaction. That he absorbs all our dirt, all our filth, all our guilt, all our shame, and he pours into us his holiness, his righteousness, and his love. President Nixon, the great, infamous American president, was accused of doing something very naughty. And we found out that every conversation that he had made in the White House was recorded. And his conversation with his chief of staff would prove that he was guilty of arranging the break-in in the Watergate scandal. So they found out the tape and they brought the tape out to play it. And when they came to play it in the tape, in the courtroom, to prove his guilt... They found out that 18 minutes worth of that tape, the proof evidence was white away. The thing is, the devil will get the tape out on you and me and say to your friends, say to God, look, this person is guilty because this is their crime. When he plays the tape, it's blank. Because our sins have been washed. Our guilt and our shame have been cleansed. You see, some translators say, having cancelled the written code, some of the places say the written code was blotted out. See, for us believers, we have been acquitted. We've been and stood before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He has declared us innocent. There's no charge to answer anymore. The basis of accusation has been removed. The case for the prosecution has been cancelled. You are not, you are no longer under the law, but you're under his grace. You see, it says in that verse, that 
Christ nailed the law to the cross. I went out to Pizza Hut the other day for an all-you-can-eat salad. No one goes to pizza and all you can eat salad. All you can eat pizza is great. Unlimited pizza. Fantastic. I recommend it. I don't work for Pizza Hut, but I recommend it anyway. But as I went to pay the bill, on the counter was this little gadget here. Or something similar to that. It was like a little spike. And every time I paid a bill, the girl put the bill through the spike to say this bill has been paid. And when Christ died on the cross and he took the law and all his requirements on himself, he said this debt, this debt of law, this debt of obligation of the law has been paid in full. In fact, that great quote from John 19, verse 30, Jesus cries out on the cross, It is finished. In Greek, it's teleos. It means literally, no, it doesn't. In the, in the marketplaces of Greece, when it was used in the marketplace, it was used by marketers who had actually had their debts paid off. So in the marketplace, they used to cry out, tetelestai or teleos, which meant the price is paid. When Christ suffered on the cross, all the debt that you owed, all the sins that you had to pay for, all the requirements of the law that were lined up against you were paid for once and for all. He died to set you free from the power of the law. And next slide, please. We've had the great truth, we've had the great tragedy, we've had the great transaction, but now we have the great triumph. There's a great video called The Chronicles of Narnia and it says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 he disarmed the principalities and powers of their authority and disgraced them in public by triumphing over them in Christ see me and you were one time under the law we had the law standing against us, the law accuses of our failures and our mistakes but Christ has done a great work and set us free from the law. And in this great movie, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, we see this interaction between the law of sin and death and the law of grace. Can we play that video? Is that possible? Turn the lights off. Just two minutes.
His blood is my property. Do you really think that mere force will deny me my right? She has renounced her claim on the son of Adam's blood. video clip from a great film but the line I want to just bring out this morning is the fact that Aslan says that she has renounced the claim on Edmund's blood she's renounced the claim on Edmund's blood and for Christ to win our hearts to, for Christ to set us free he had to deal with every demand of the law that stood against us and he had to force the law to relinquish its claim over your life and my life. See, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. Each one of us was set on a course for hell. We deservedly needed to go there, but Christ steps in. And through a transaction with the law and with God the Father, he deals a death blow to the law and sets you and me free. The law has relinquished its rights over your life and my Exciting stuff. I just want to take a little detour for two minutes, if I may. There's a passage in the Old Testament about a woman called Ruth and Boaz. Ruth was a woman whose husband died and she returned to the land of Israel with her mother-in-law. And Boaz saw Ruth and Boaz wanted to marry her. Next slide. He loved her so much. 
And she wanted to marry him, and he wanted to marry her, and the strings were playing, and the harps were playing, and there was chocolates and roses everywhere. But Boaz says, because a lot of the time we've said that every time a man dies and leaves a widow, the next in kin had to take his responsibilities and raise up a family for the man that died. That was the custom of the time. So Boaz falls in love with Ruth. Ruth falls in love with Boaz. But Boaz says, I want to marry you, Ruth. I want to be with you. I love you so much, but I can't marry you. And Ruth says, why can't you marry me? Why can't you marry me? And she, he says, because although I am a next of kin, a near of kin, there's one who stands closer in line to you than me. And I can't marry you until that person relinquishes his rights over your life and your future. And Boaz looks at Ruth and says, leave it with me. And he goes to the city gates and he sits down with the nearest man of kin whose right was to redeem Ruth and to redeem the land of her ex-husband, of a deceased husband. And he enters into this dialogue. And in that transaction that takes place, this man renounces his claim on Ruth's life. He takes off his shoe and gives her Gives him his shoe. The best says, I'm now giving you the right to walk on that land. I'm relinquishing my right over Ruth and her family. And I'm giving it over to you. And that's a picture of what Christ has done for you and me. There was a law that was opposed to us. There was a law that condemned us. But God has entered into transaction to free us from the law. You see, we were powerless. Romans chapter 5 says this. You see, just at the right time, when we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Ruth, in the book of Ruth, it says these words, verse 18 of chapter 3, Naomi says to her daughter-in-law, Sit still, Ruth, my daughter. Sit still until you find out what happens. For this man, Boaz, will not rest until this matter is settled today. See, Ruth hadn't had to do anything to earn this redemption. She just had to sit still. This wasn't the work of you and me, it's the work of Christ. It's not our effort or our ability or our talents. It's what Christ has done for us. We need only to be sit still and become the recipients of his grace. See, God sent Jesus the world to redeem you and me. To break us free from the tyranny of sin and the power of the devil. See, in Roman times, when the Romans conquered the land... They used to have what they called a triumph. It was a triumphal procession through the streets of Rome. Next slide, please. This is a phrase on the marble wall that represents the, the conquest of Emperor Titus over the Jews. And you see the, the candelabra, you see the table of showbread. When the people were conquered, 
They were paraded through the town, the city of Rome, and made a public, public spectacle of for the whole world to see. And when Christ triumphed over the devil, he made a public spectacle of the enemy. See, Jesus, the Lamb of God, has triumphed. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, it says, I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. Revelation 5, verse 5 says this, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has triumphed. See, we are not a defeated enemy. We are the spoils of the war. That Christ has plundered hell, defeated the enemy, and overcome all that was set before him. That we may live free. And the last point this morning has come to a close, the time is gone. But our next slide is the great transformation. See, God wants to free us from the law, wants to free us from sin, but God wants to change us from the inside out. We're called to be changed completely. Romans 8 verse 4 says this, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. See, religion is great and righteousness is great. There's a difference between righteousness that is born out of the law and the righteousness that is born out of God's spirit. When we become Christians, it's easy for us to start to bolt on things into our lives to try and make us more holy and more pure. But the law is powerless to change our lives. It says in Romans 8 verse 3, the law was powerless to change us. See, the law could not redeem the sinner. The law could not rescue the perishing. The law could not revive the downcast. It could not release the captives or restore the broken. It could not relieve the oppressed. It offered no remedy for the human condition. It brought no hope to mankind. It only exposed the human need of a saviour. See, the law can't change anything. But God plans so much more than just us as Christians obeying the law. See, when we received the Holy Spirit, He didn't come into our lives to give us more power to obey the law. He set us free from the law. The spirituality that we have as Christians isn't that we are law obeyers, but we live a different level. That the law of Christ in our hearts sets us free from the law of sin and death. That we become by nature men and women who desire and long and are able to fulfill more than the requirements of the law. The righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in you and me. The thing is, so often we think if I just work really hard at getting over this habit, or if I work really hard at being good, if I work really hard at being kind, then I'll become righteous. But righteousness is not an external thing that we add to our lives. Righteousness is something that bubbles up from within us. It's like a spring that grows within our hearts. That when we're born again, we don't have to try to be righteous. We become naturally righteous by the work of Christ in our hearts. That something rises up inside us and we have become different people. You see, it says that great phrase... That we are people, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. That phrase, who live 
not according to the flesh, but, not, but according to the spirit. It's not a condition. It's a consequence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you think... I, I can live free as long as I keep on working hard, keep on obeying the law, keep on living after the Spirit. Then we miss the point. God wants to so fill us with His fire and with His love and His passion that, that righteous bubbles up inside us. There's a great quote from Job chapter 29, verse 14. Job says, I have put on righteousness as a garment and it has put me on. I've put it on, but it has put me on. Righteousness is not something we add to our lives, it's something that grows up from within us. Next slide, please. This is Sutty. Sutty is a puppet. Sutty cannot sing, he cannot dance, he cannot do backflips, he can't talk, he just sits there. He has powers to do anything in his life. He's a puppet. But when someone puts their hand inside him, he can come alive. He can sing and dance and play and act and play dead because there's something inside him that's alive. And without Christ, we are just like sooty, empty, lifeless, dead but when Christ pours his spirit into our lives we become animated with the power of God we become alive who wouldn't want that see Job says I became the eyes to the blind I became the feet to the lame I became a father to the needy. I, I took up the cause of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked. And I snatched victims from their teeth. But it wasn't I that was doing it. It was the righteousness that God put inside me that sprang up to do it. And we need to learn to lay aside religion and form and let the living water.